Did you ever make funny voices when you were a kid? Yes, actually, I used to do Donald Duck and Woody Woodpecker, but now I'm out of practice. You need to practice because I want to hear you do Donald Duck. <laughs> right. And what about you? You know, I derive, still derive, a great deal of pleasure out of emulating the kid on The Shining. I like to hold my hand up, use my index finger, and have Tony say, Red Rub. And yes, that Tony is very annoying. everyone, and here we are celebrating what people love to do creatively and how it impacts their lives. I'm Rod Jones. And I'm Angie Jones. Welcome to the Thought Road Podcast. We invite you to subscribe wherever you listen, and we are available virtually anywhere you listen to podcasts. Yes, and no matter what you do creatively, we think this is the podcast for you. All right, Angie, what are we discussing today? Well, today we're going to be speaking with Gary Spangler, who is a voice artist. And I know he's going to share some really cool pointers and things that he does with his craft. Cool. That's going to be kind of nice. Yeah. You know, he's a pretty versatile voice actor. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and he, he can is. create some pretty interesting voices. Yes, he can. But first, how about your quote? Yeah. Okay. So our quote this week is, the tongue can paint what the eyes can't see. It is a Chinese proverb. Ooh, that's kind of interesting. Also, I think it's the first Chinese proverb we've had. You know, I think you might be right. And the tongue can paint. How's it go with the tongue? The can tongue paint? can paint what the eyes can't see. Oh, that's very interesting. Yeah. Kind of like what you here on radio or podcasts. Isn't that podcasts. what a podcast is doing? Yeah, definitely podcasts. And then also the old time radios. I, I thought of that when I was looking at this quote where oh. they had the old time radio shows, you know, like the War of the Worlds. People were so convinced it was real that they were going into hysteria. Yeah, th that was delivered on radio all over, I guess, all over the country. Mm -hmm. And there were people that were actually panicking in the streets. I mean, it was it was really a kind of an interesting thing. And that was all painted by the tongue, by the voice. Right. And using your imagination. Yeah. Totally. OK, so now it's time for Rod's motivational moment. What do you have for us today? Well, what I have is sing, hum or whistle. Oh, okay. I think it's very important for everyone to do one of these every day. Uh, it can really set your attitude and your mood, make you more healthy mm -hmm. in a very positive way. You know, there is a lot to that because from what I understand, if you are vocalizing, which is singing, listening to music or humming and even whistling, it actually activates different chemistry in your brain. So it is very mood enhancing and causes different chemicals to fire off in your head. Yeah. When you walk by somebody who's whistling when they're working on a project or something, and you just know they're really thoroughly enjoying themselves mm -hmm. or if they just break out in a song, I mean, you can drive down the freeway, you'll see people in the car next to you and they're moving their hands or they're you know, they're singing to a song they're listening to on the radio and they have a smile on their face and they're pretty happy. I'm not 100 percent sure about how safe that is because you should be paying attention. But, you know, we all just break into a song when we hear a song on the radio that is our favorite. 
Well, I think, you know, when you sing in the car, it's like one of those pleasures that you just so enjoy and it puts you in a better mood instantly. Well, you know, when I was growing up, I used to sing all the time. And my mom, when I went into the military Mm -hmm. and when I returned and I stayed with my parents for a week or two. And then my mom goes, you know what? You don't sing anymore. And she was like disappointed. She said, I really miss that. You always made me feel so good, especially when you would sing in the morning, even when you're on your way to school. And she said, I know you don't like school, but you were singing. And it was a very positive thing to do. And I'm not a singer. I mean, I had choir in school. Um, and I actually, you know, I actually try to do that now, I'll, especially when I listen to a country Western song. You know, well, I particularly like when you sing really, really high, like the country song, My Maria, and <laughs> you go into that falsetto and it just, it makes me instantly happy. It is so fun to listen to you do that. Well, deep down inside, I'm trying to hit that high C, like well, Beverly I, Seals or somebody. I don't know. Some days I think you do it, you know. Really well. Yeah, well, I can pull off a pretty deep voice, too. (laughs) Yes, you can. Yes, you can. I also find it fascinating how some people can create character voices and they do it out of thin air. And, you know, they become famous, you know, like Homer Simpson. Need I say more? Yeah, really. And it's interesting because if you listen or watch the early episodes of Homer, he didn't have his voice yet. You can tell they're still developing that character. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting with a lot of even early cartoons or even serialized movies, you can tell that they hadn't quite developed their voice. And then all of a sudden, when you watch, say, one of the Simpsons episodes that are current, and then you listen to one from the very beginning and you go, how did I ever get hooked on that? The voice is horrible. Yeah, they sounded a lot different and even the cartoons were really kind of primitive looking when you compare them with the current Simpsons episodes. Yeah, people that create voices, I think it takes time to really hone in a great voice. I think it does. It really does. You know, when you talk about the different voices, I, to me, I really remember Paul Harvey growing up. Well, probably some of the most recognizable voices Mm -hmm. have been associated uh, with products or early radio. Mm -hmm. Uh, They heavily depended upon people associating a voice with a product. Mm -hmm. And Paul Harvey, I'm not 100% sure about his commercials. I'm sure he did. But you certainly, if you ever heard him, his signature, the way he would end it, you know, goodbye. And he'd only hit that high note. But there are a lot of people, especially on early radio that had voices that really, mm-hmm. you still remember. But I think you were also going to mention. Well, yeah, I, w- I wanted to mention George Fenneman, who did You Bet Your Life. And he was like, like the best announcer. And he was famous. And now today you, you see TV commercials mm-hmm. like the Geico Gecko. And even if you hear it on the radio, you see the commercial, you see the character or character right. of the, of the, uh, the little gecko. gecko. Yeah. yeah. And there's other commercials like that where you see them on television and they kind of pass through your mind. But then we hear it on the radio, your brain automatically pictures the person or the commercial. Yeah. So you instantly know what it is. And of course you remember the product. Yeah, right. it's all it's all built around the voice, which kind of goes back to your quote a little bit, doesn't it? Yeah, it really does. Now, I know that when you hear certain singers 
on the radio, we just know who it is by their voice. Like for me, I, I know we've been listening to country music lately. Reba McIntyre, instantly you know who that is within like a note. And the same with Celine Dion. She's got such a, a legendary voice as well. Yeah, some of these uh, more contemporary singers, you yeah. just automatically recognize their voice. You may sing along with their song, or you may even try to duplicate how they're actually singing a song. Yeah, well, you hope to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. well, they have all the gear. You don't. Right. You're, you're lucky if you can do it in your cell phone, I suppose. Yeah, true. And what about Janis Joplin? Well, the voices that, and I have to say, hers is a little grating at times, but man, I, you, there's soulful, nowhere though, you could not hear Janis Joplin and not know who the heck it was. I mean, mm -hmm. if you know who she is to this day, you, if I say the name, you'll recognize her voice and mm -hmm. you'll also recognize some of her songs. The other person that, that really resonates with me, of course, is Willie Nelson. Oh, yeah. You know his songs. And even the interesting thing about him is he wrote a lot of famous songs for other singers, but you still know it's a Willie Nelson song just because of the way it's phrased or worded. And then the other person, Johnny Cash, of course. Oh, gosh, yeah. Legendary Talking about, talking about a deep, resonating voice that can stick with you. Absolutely. I mean, I grew up listening to Johnny. My dad liked Johnny very much. Yeah. Well, the people still listen to his songs to this day. Oh, yeah. I often associate a voice that I may hear on the radio. Uh, rather, it be a character or a commercial with a picture of that person or what I think that person should look like. It's kind oh. of like somebody speaks to you and then you go, oh, I, this is what I think they look like. Uh-huh. And you could be totally wrong. Yeah, sometimes it's the all, opposite. We've all heard people, they go, oh, he's got such a great voice. And then yeah. they show him on TV and then you go, hmm, that's not exactly what I envisioned this person to be. It's so true. And when we talk to people on the phone. Yeah, sometimes you'll talk to them and they sound one way. And then and then when you see them in person, it's they're so different. Yeah. 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 The voice is a pretty amazing thing. And we interpret people's voices so much differently. Uh -huh. Each one of us has a different perspective. I can hear a person's voice and you can hear a person's voice and your vision of that person is entirely different than mine. I think we all do that. So true. But then there's also some voices that just grate on you when you hear them. And unfortunately, we all seem to remember them. And an interesting example would be like Fran Drescher in The Nanny. Yeah. But somehow she ended up being endearing to me and I think millions of people. And it was her signature. What about you, Rod? Well, I'd have a fairly long list, <laughs> but I'm going to narrow it down just to one person, maybe yeah. two, but one for sure. Yeah. And that would be Lena Lamont. Oh, my gosh. In Singing in the Rain. <laughs> I uh, love her. She is the antithesis of annoying. Uh -huh. uh, when she opens her mouth, it just grates on you. <laughs> but as an actor... And she pulled that off magically. I think Singing in the Rain is certainly one of the most recognized and loved musicals ever. Oh, oh yeah. And it's very popular even to this day. Uh, people love the characters, love the music. Mm -hmm. But she, if you ask somebody about Singing in the Rain, yeah, they'll say Debbie Reynolds, right? Right. Yeah. But they'll also say, oh, yeah, and there was that girl. There was Lena. Yeah, Lena Lamont. Yeah. She, Great actress. She pulled that off brilliantly. So true. So true. Well, it was 
one of the most admired musicals in history, really. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, you know, right now, well, let's bring on our special guests. You know, we're talking about voice and voice talent and voice acting. How about it? Okay. So here we go. Gary, welcome to the Thought Row podcast. We've been really looking forward. I know I've been looking forward. Angie's been looking forward to chatting with you today. Yes. Hi, Gary. So good to have you with us today. I have been looking forward to this. Also, I'm so excited to be with you guys. And I bet you've been rehearsing your voices. (laughs) (laughs) I rehearse those every day. Yeah, I would think you would. Um, We met on LinkedIn And uh, I was really excited when I met you to meet an actual authentic voice actor. I don't run into those kind of people every day. That's for sure. Well, I definitely felt so fortunate having you as a connection. LinkedIn is where I've been able to get no less than three audiobook projects um, directly from them. Um, One of them that you referred me to. So I'm very grateful for that whole platform and and especially uh, my connection with both of you. Oh, well, so thank nice. you. And I'm glad you. Yeah, LinkedIn is perfect for for what you're uh, do. Your occupation really melds well with LinkedIn because you can meet a lot of the people mm-hmm. that could use your talent. Exactly. Exactly. Well, before we move on to our interview, let us ask you the question that we ask everybody, which is what did you have for breakfast? That's because we're boring and we try to come <laughs> up with other ideas. We, we really do need new ideas. <laughs> well, me and Raggy. <laughs> Had some Scooby snacks. Here <laughs> 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 we do. How cool. I guess that is a breakfast of kings. It is. <laughs> it <laughs> it is. is. It is. voiceover people, right? It totally yeah. is. My, my first answer was, oh, I've had 13 Pop-Tarts. Nice. No, I'm, <laughs> no, just kidding. My wife made me a frittata, so I only had seven Pop-Tarts. Oh, uh, nice. That sounds good. <laughs> I'm all about nutrition. Good for you, good for you. Yeah, frittata, that's a good breakfast. Oh, yeah, it was wonderful. You know, one of the things we've been amazed that um, there's such a dynamic need for voice actors. Tell us a little bit about what they do. Well, any voice that you hear on screen or where the actor is not actually visually doing the talking Mm -hmm. is a, a voice actor. It all started out with radio, but now it's on Many any media outlet like the um, like the internet, um, also st- still radio and um, and and TV, and especially with all the different channels on TV that there are now and documentaries, etc. Right. Uh, essentially, the the client will give or the director will give a script to the voice artist, and you read it to their expectations, and they make adjustments as you go. And uh, there's a lot of acting that goes into voice acting, even if it's a corporate industrial or if it's doing an animated character. I'm glad you mentioned corporate industrial because I just recently read that there are companies or there are voice actors that actually specialize in reading annual reports or doing all of the, like even doing a podcast for corporations because they say a lot of executives just don't do that very well. They're not real good speaking on a microphone. I mean, they may be really good telling their employees what to do every day, but when it comes to them talking about their company, they actually hire voice actors. Is that, is that true? That's what I think I've been reading. 
Yeah, it actually is true, um, especially for internal training. Some companies, after doing some research, I found that some companies will have internal podcasts that are not released out to the general public, but mm. might go out to sales reps or technicians that they um, have on their staff throughout the country. And they will do training through those and they will hire voice actors to do those types of projects. And going one step further, white papers for um, medical um, different technologies mm -hmm. and different advancements, they'll be read by voice actors as well. Oh, really? Oh, that's interesting to that know. That is interesting. You never think about all no. of the places... Where you hear a voice actor. Where you hear a voice actor. Because it's just so seamless. I think you automatically just listen to it right. and don't realize it's a, it's, it's a job job. And that's the important part in doing that type of narration is it's part of the voice actor's job to make sure they're in the background. Make mm -hmm. sure you're, you're not standing out. The content or the, the subject matter is what's the important thing. Well, I guess you have to... You don't want to be this celebrity. You just want to convey the information so people understand it clearly. And, and obviously, as a voice actor, and we know from hearing you that you're very uh, articulate mm -hmm. in the different ways you present voice content. Pretty mm -hmm. amazing. You know, one thing I never really thought about is voice actors narrating video games. Yes. And that was actually brought to the attention by my sons who are oh, grown now. Okay. But, you know, we... I started them early with old old school Nintendo games, but they've graduated to some of the more advanced games and they brought to my attention that there is a lot of exposition, a lot of narration about a particular land in a video game or oh. a, a, or particular characters and their backstories and what they go through. So there's a lot of narration that goes on to that. I guess they're building the story to let the game player know that this is the fantasy land and this is where we're going to be. And these are the characters. Is that right? That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And in fact, living in here in Irvine, I live just down the street from Blizzard Entertainment that has a series of different video games, including World of Warcraft. Mm. So, so it's right around the corner. Oh, how nice. Good for so you. So Blizzard, if you're listening, Gary can be there in no time. There you go. Right? Thank you. He can be Thank there. You, <laughs> <laughs> well, also, I wanted to ask, I understand that voice actors do voiceovers for foreign films. It must be tricky to get the lips and the words to match. And I've noticed like Netflix, they're really good about their foreign films. It, you can't hardly detect that it's from they're speaking another language yeah so. like the, we watched one in turkish yes a turkish. and angie happens to speak turkish so she yes. could kind of read their lips and all that yeah. but it was really okay. interesting tell yeah, us how about, about you that. have you done that yet that's something that i've got lined up to you have to be trained in that sort of thing yes because it's very it's definitely a skill set because you have to have a monitor where you're watching the lips oh, and there's yeah. certain, certain letters like P's and T's mm -hmm. where the, with a P your lips come together with a, a T, the, your tongue hits the top of, of the, hits the roof of your mouth. Yes. And so you're knowing exactly. And part of that is theatrical training, which I've had. Any actor will tell you when there's a 
rumbling of a crowd of people saying a bunch of words that are indiscernible. They're actually just saying peas and carrots. Peas and carrots, peas and carrots, peas and carrots. So it's like they're saying that. But you have to be able to match that exactly. It's definitely acquired skill and you have to practice. And you'll notice that there's probably, um, you know, less than 50 people worldwide that are able to do that and that are frequently called on um, Mm -hmm. to do that in the different countries. How interesting. I I mean, I think of Godzilla movies. (laughs) (laughs) You know, we we didn't ask you uh, this question, at least not yet. And you do have a theatrical background. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Oh, sure. It started in the first thing I, I did as part of a class project in the seventh grade was actually reading a radio play where there was three of us on stage. Mm-hmm. And it was very experimental, but that's where I kind of got the bug. But in school, I was never necessarily known for having a, a, you know, a voice that would go mm-hmm. where people said you would be great on radio, but I had a really good singing voice. Okay. So I, they would have me audition for musical theater and I, I got parts. And then from there, they were like, Gary, you're messing around too much and you're doing all these different characters. Maybe you should do more character parts. And uh-huh. so that's where it kind of went into where I, I was cast in uh, many different Russian character voices. <laughs> oh, see? <laughs> yeah, it started I was, young. You, and started I was just young. about, and I was getting ready to ask you uh, to do your favorite character interpretation, oh, yeah. your favorite character voice. Well, One that you created, let's say, with your unique style. One that I've created is, mm, well... My name is Earl, and I used to be a trucker, and, well, then I lost my truck, and now I'm just an herb. I can't believe I lost my truck. It makes me feel so sad. (laughs) There you go. You know what? I actually knew that, Earl. (laughs) (laughs) That's a a fun one. That's a really good one. Do you have a, a second favorite? Oh, uh, I don't mean to yeah. put you on the yeah, spot. You're, you're, yeah. I, no, no, that's that's fine. Um, one thing you'll never hear the character Rocky say. Uh-huh. Hey, Adrian, <laughs> I never asked you to stop being a man. So don't ask me to stop being a woman. Can I borrow your pink dress? <laughs> Good old Rocky. Oh my gosh. The other yeah. Rocky, Rocky. <laughs> it's funny because when you said that I immediately thought of Rocky and Bullwinkle I forgot all about Sylvester Rocky, Stallone Rocky Balboa yeah exactly yeah. oh yeah you're thinking of Rocky oh no not again <laughs> there you go there you go that's, <laughs> that's the guy I love it I love it I always like that from an artist's perspective because Bullwinkle always said I just paint what I see and Rocky says what do you paint and he goes this is what I see yeah and it was all very abstract <laughs> yeah, very right? abstract oh, yes that's where that was yes. my early training to become an abstract artist <laughs> hey it works okay so Gary how many different voice dialects have you been able to achieve and how long did it take you to where you were satisfied with the outcome gosh dozens of them, but it came as an early age. I always really liked to listen to uh, when I would travel with my parents to other parts of the country and I would listen Mm -hmm. and try to mimic other voices to impress my friends. But 
it wasn't until I really had the skill sharpened with, uh, I'm receiving training from Bud Barth at Del Mar Media Arts Mm -hmm. and he's a master at that. So he's actually brought me a long way and, you know, trying to get the New York accent and how it's different from the Boston accent and learning the different regions. Right. It is different, isn't it? And it's slight sometimes like you just did with your your, your two accents. Well, I was going to say uh, we're ready for another one of your characters, but this one is a little more conservative, and that would be the like a TV commercial, a voiceover or a uh, voice actor for a TV commercial for a pharmaceutical product. I actually did recently did an audition for one, so this is kind of interesting. What you wear to bed is your business. So if you're sleeping in your contact lenses, ask your eye doctor about Air Optics night and day aqua contact lenses. They're FDA approved for up to 30 days and nights of continuous wear and are the most breathable soft contact lenses available. Air Optics night and day aqua contact lenses, because bedtime is your time. Wow. Oh. Uh, Do you have their 800 number? Yeah, I need some. (laughs) <laughs> I'm sold. I'm sold. That that was that's uh, really good. And boy, what a contrast between that and say like a cartoon character. Yeah. Or even Rocky. Yeah, or Rocky, Rocky, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Is there a technique that you use consistently to create a voice style? Sure. Especially when you're it's it's if it's for a, a commercial. Mm-hmm. Because um, I read the script and then the first question I ask is use your imagination and think, okay, who am I? Right. The person doing the talking. And then I ask, who am I talking to? Because it should sound like I'm speaking to one person, that person who might be buying the product. Mm, And then the final part of the equation is to imagine where this conversation is taking place. Like you might be sitting, speaking to someone that you're sitting next to on a train Mm -hmm. and they ask you about wearing contact lenses at night. And so you just talk to them. A conversation, a one-on-one conversation. Very conversational. Very. Well, good. Well, you obviously have a knack for creating different voices. And and so far what we've heard is pretty amazing, especially we don't think those terms. People don't typically think about. You don't think about that. No, not really. Mm -mm. In your narration, What's the, you kind of explained this, but there's a big difference between narrating for a book and narrating for a commercial. How, how do you handle making that shift from one voice or one character to a more conservative or another voice yeah. or character or even narrating a tech? Uh, oh, yeah. Like mm-hmm. you were, you were referring to earlier. Well, thank you. Part of it, when it comes to a commercial read or a theatrical read. Part of it comes naturally. My dad was an actor in high school. Both of my sisters were entertainers. So it's in the blood and it was just something where, you know, there's kind of no other option for me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But when it comes to narrating a book, that's when you rely on the author who will give you some, even if they don't, you know, have a lot of back and forth with you, you read the book and you have clues in the text of the book. This was especially true with the audiobook. I recorded The Three Lives of David Kelly, which was brilliantly written by C.M. Curtis that mm-hmm. you've had on your podcast before. Yes, I love that and book. Yes, absolutely. And there was just 
so much character development that I was able to pull from that. Mm. Oh, I bet that was interesting. Yeah, I could see that, though. It's very it's Absolutely. a very detailed book and and very emotional. So I can see you really getting oh, into yeah. the reading of it. Yeah, the the emotional parts are definitely some starts and stops I had to do because you get carried away by the emotion <laughs> of the story. Now, when you're reading a book like that, how far do you go? Like if it's a female character or a, a child character, how far do you go in changing your voice so the listener can determine that, oh, this is now, even if they don't, when they when they get into the book, I'm sure they can figure out who's who, mm-hmm. right? But when you're narrating a book, it's a little bit different because when you're reading it, you see the quotes, you see who's saying this and who's saying that. Mm-hmm. When you're expressing the range of characters, how do you handle that? Well, with a male voice, you can either have a very bass voice or you can lift it up to more of a natural delivery. Mm-hmm. But with a female voice, you have a slight lilt to it. So all you're trying to do is have a difference. You can tell a difference between the female and the male voice, but it's not over-dramatized okay. because right. then it's kind of disconcerting. Yeah, that would be a little bit. I well, think. then you probably focus too much on the, the character's voices, voice. Yeah, yeah. The voices. Right. That must be a fine line to draw on that one. It's so true. Yep, absolutely. So that's uh, that's why you just want to be able to tell that, okay, there's a different person talking now. Mm-hmm. Well, that makes oh, and sense. And they've gone back to the first person, so like that. Oh, okay. And that way you have a nice flow too, so that makes sense. Absolutely. And then there's also different variations on if you're speaking about a scene in general mm-hmm. or if you're talking, um, have some exposition about two characters that are talking to each other. Yes, so, so you have to shift from setting the stage or setting the environment mm-hmm. and then introduce the characters with your voice right? and then separate the characters with your voice. That requires Absolutely. a lot of talent. Yeah, that, that was good, Ron. <laughs> Way to go. <laughs> right on. Yeah. So, okay, my question is when clients provide you with a script to read in a recording studio, how quickly do you have to develop the voice that goes with it? And do they give you a little time to rehearse? Sometimes you're provided sides, which are known as the the script that you'll be reading uh-huh. within a day or two. But more times than not, um, the script will change once you get into the studio, especially if there is a sound engineer a a director and then also the the client the the company the corporate client who's also in in the booth mm-hmm. so the script will may i may only have like 10 to 15 minutes to prepare so at that point you look over the script you get roughly familiar with it right. and then you just rely on your training and just go for it I'm curious, are you reading from a piece of paper, a paper script, or is there an actual teleprompter? It depends on the studio, Mm. but normally I read from a screen, Mm -hmm. so you don't hear the rustling of paper while you're you're doing that, because there is a process called physicating, Mm -hmm. which is using your hands and your body as your reading the script so you can really get into whatever you're whatever you're trying to do so and that adds so much to the read that is kind of in the background of the and that's part of the whole voice acting 
physicating. I really like that because that's a, that's when, a neat word. Well, when we're podcasting, Angie has a tendency to physicate more than I do. <laughs> more than I'm supposed to, I think, really. And, and occasionally I have to remind her not to bang the table. Yeah. Um, although or, it never seems bump, to pick or up. Or bump the microphone. I've done that before. Yes, or bump oh, yeah. the microphone. You start flailing your hands and whammo right into the microphone. Yeah, and then you have a problem. Yeah, because I remember going to places where we were doing commercials, and I look at the script after it was handed to the voiceover person, and there would be marks all over it. You know, they would take this out, just that, remove this. They would make commas and redline it and everything else. Yeah. The original script, once they read it, they go, it sounds great when somebody writes it, but it's a whole different story when you have to sit there and talk it. Absolutely. Yep, yep, yep. Okay, so I have a request for a voice. How about giving us a voice for a British butler? Well, you see, Angie, I noticed that you Americans like that dreadful coffee. It's much more refined to drink a spot of Earl Grey tea every morning. Anything else is simply preposterous. Uh (laughs) We need one of those. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) We need a butler. I love it. I think it would be a bit too much travel for you, (laughs) judging you all the time. Probably. <laughs> yeah, really. And they're all great. Could be kind of stiff, although you could always put a shot of something in it. <laughs> I, you know, I'm sure the some of the demands on voice acting can be pretty frustrating. Have you experienced that? And how do you handle that? Well, sometimes you can be sitting into. First of all, you're sitting in a padded room, and what, what I you do that on purpose. Because you don't want your voice to go out of the room, so it goes directly into the microphone. But you also don't want any external noise coming into the room. Mm -hmm. So that's a challenge, making sure your space is set up correctly. The other part is voice health, which is crucial. It's, you know, not no alcohol. Mm -hmm. Try to do no dairy Mm -hmm. because that. Um, gives you that that phlegm and that um, you know limits the sound and the natural resonance of your voice. Right. But it's an extremely competitive career, so marketing is definitely the key. It's very entrepreneurial, so much so that most most will call themselves solopreneurs mm-hmm. because you end up recording, you end up doing the editing. And, and the mastering, and you do it all all by yourself. Well, we know you've been moving towards this for quite some time, and uh, you've shared with this. It's been difficult, the difficult parts of the process to overcome. And what, what do you think was the hardest thing for you to overcome? Yeah. I know marketing is an issue for everybody. Yeah, marketing is right. tough. For me, because I just haven't been a part of that world, it's social media and being able to assign your time between doing your auditions, you know, doing the jobs that you've been booked on, mm-hmm. but also reaching out, doing direct marketing is the best way to go about it. Right. You have to have a thick skin because it gets into those numbers of, you know, a hundred no's for every yes that you hear. Mm-hmm. And a yes could be anything from, you know, booking an actual job with a local company to, just being on someone's roster, a, a casting director's roster for the next time that mm-hmm. they actually have work, that fits your voice. 
Well, that's the interesting thing is it's called a voice actor, and all actors experience that. You know, you're always looking for the a job, and you want to be able to show your talents, and you got to get your talents in front of an audience, and that is that's going to be very difficult. Yeah, yeah. And as you right. mentioned, it can be kind of a competitive thing, so you have to be able to stand out. Yeah. But that's the exciting part of it, too. Well, one thing I've, I've also read that um, podcasts are actually hiring voice actors to be part of their podcast. Well, like right now, you're part of our podcast right. because you're doing some voiceovers that I know our listeners are going to find this really interesting and fun. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I would think that other podcasters would probably go, wow, we need to get a voice actor on with us at times just to make it a little more interesting. Right. And I've put out feelers on that. And that's something that I definitely want to get into. It's one thing to try to shoulder the load yourself and create your own podcast. But I think that would be great fun to be a, a co-host on, on a podcast and to be able to do that sort of work on a weekly basis or oh, even a monthly basis. Yeah, or a cameo, right? And that's what yeah. it's called. Yeah. Come Absolutely. on for a cameo. Yeah. Just pop in every once in a while. Yeah, that would be that would be a, a great way to be part of a podcast, but not have to do it weekly as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah and deal with all the stuff <laughs> you have to do. There's a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, I can only imagine. Yeah. You guys do a great job. Oh, well, thank you so thank much. You. Um, you know, we hear voice actors all the time, even when we don't know it or realize it. But I certainly remember Mel Blank and how he developed the voice for Bugs Bunny. Do you have a particular character you have developed that is uniquely yours? Oh, I, I, sh I sure do. A few years ago, I wrote a series of children's stories in college, uh -huh. the title character being Buddy the Squirrel. And my name is Buddy the Squirrel, and it's Thursday. You know what Thursday is? It's Scampering day! Woohoo! Oh my gosh, how sweet is that? So do they, sweet. Do people, I guess they do narrate children's books because yes, I do. remember having Jack and the Beanstalk when I was a little oh, yeah. kid. And they had a, a booming sound that told you to turn the page because you're listening to it on record, right? Right. And you hear this boom, and that's uh -huh. when you turn the page. And that's how it helps you to read too. Uh, if, if you if you kind of were into it, I guess. <laughs> I, I was into the booming sound. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, again, through LinkedIn, mm -hmm. um, there's a children's author and she had me do two of her children's books that she has since published. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and they were a total blast, especially when I got to read the part of the Tooth Fairy. Oh, I love the Tooth Fairy. <laughs> That's a great there voice for the tooth fairy. I love it. <laughs> so cute. So yeah. I was just going to ask you to hear your interpretation of your favorite character. You've shared with us several really cool characters. Yeah, yeah. I mean, is it fair to say, do you have one that you just absolutely love? The one you That's do. That's your favorite. When, yeah. Before you go to sleep at night, you're talking to the <laughs> ceiling with your it. character. <laughs> well, my wife and I met when she was doing makeup for me in a stage show of Dracula. Mm. Ah. So sometimes I will stare at her with the Dracula eyes. 
and say, <laughs> I love you, and now I'm going to kiss your neck. Oh. And she says, oh, no, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Something that's, a, that's that dead eye look that I have uh-huh. that just creeps her out. <laughs> but that's endearing. the kid in you, right? Yeah. yeah. An endearing dead eye look. Yeah. Yes. There you go. <laughs> so have you ever created a character that sings? Oh, yes. I have a duet between Louis Armstrong and Jerry Lewis. It goes oh, like good this. Lord. Ah. And I think. To myself, what a wonderful world, lady. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That's that is be, hysterical. Well, because you were a singer, I mean, you have kind of understand that. So that works pretty well. Yeah. Yeah, that's a lot of fun. But I really enjoy singing every Sunday. Mm-hmm. I do karaoke on, on YouTube just to keep the pipes intact. There you go. Vocal exercises, right? Well, you've been been living the whole process of becoming a voice actor. What advice would you give to other people that might want to enter that field? And you've been living it, man. Yeah, you have. Yeah. If if you've had acting training on stage or on television or films at any level, really, that's a great first start if you've got that base. Mm -hmm. But the first step is to get voice acting training. And that's crucial because it's a whole different ball of wax. Then once you get the training, you want to get a coach. And what that coach is going to do is going to help you prepare to have a professional demo produced. And they will tell you when you're ready. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. And at that point, then you decide how you want to market yourself as a voiceover talent. And a key part of that is having that professional demo on a website. Mm, okay. So these voice coaches, they take you through the whole process, which is great, but they also teach you how to present the different characters in a way that it's interpreted by a future client. Also, what's very difficult, especially if you've had a radio career mm-hmm. or you've had a theatrical career, is to kind of tone yourself down to a single person talking to a single person. Because a radio announcer will sound something like this, and you would never talk to someone individually <laughs> like that. Hopefully. So that's a part of the coaching that we get you into what's called the conversational read. I think one of the things that you said that's very interesting is you're just talking one-on-one instead, yeah, of, instead of to an audience. Yeah. And I think marketing trends are leading that way anyway to where it's uh, one-on-one. You know, you're personally communicating with one person. And as a voice actor, I could see where that training because it kind of changed your thinking. I mean, if you've been a stage actor, you're out there projecting to the whole audience. Yeah. The back row. The back row. The back row. Okay, yeah. Yeah, because if um, they have to be able to hear you too. That is so true. So as you were growing up, did family and friends tell you that you had a great voice for radio? How did this come about for you? I did a lot of singing mm-hmm. and um, won some awards and competitions for, yeah. for singing. But what's interesting about that is my grandfather, and I'm aging myself here a lot, um, Welcome to the had, club. Uh, <laughs> he had, he had uh, a Victrola, 
which is that thing that has the, the big wide speaker that comes out and you'd play these tubes and these tubes would have these old radio dramas. Oh, and, fun. Uh, as, oh. and as a kid who's 10 years old, I was kind of an oddball because he said, you're the only one that's ever been really interested in listening to these all the way through. So he gave me his tape recorder, you know, that kind of had the external mic that you would plug into it. Sure. And I would make up my own radio shows. Sometimes I would make up news shows or I would just read from the, from the newspaper. And then I would make up silly songs and um, do things like that. So that it kind of, you know, sprung out from there. And then, then I had that opportunity uh, in seventh grade to, to do that show. So, right. but I just had fun with it. It sounds like it. And you were, you were already rehearsing and you didn't even know it. You were just having a good time with it. Exactly. Well, and there's so much to learn from those early. Yes. I mean, every once in a while, when Angie and I first met, you know, we would listen to old Fibber McGee and Molly shows and stuff like that. I just liked the dialogue that was going on. And they made it funny without being crass or lewd or anything else. I mean, you ended up laughing really hard, which to me was a very genuine, healthy, wholesome laugh. I think that's why we watch, because both Angie and I write, watching Mm -hmm. old movies really helps with understanding dialogue. Mm -hmm. But for you, anything that you hear, how would you interpret a character from Casablanca? Well, it's very hard because then you just get not necessarily mimicking Humphrey Bogart or one of the other characters, but you go into this kind of a mid-Atlantic accent and you could be coming as you were reporting from the newsreel Here today in World War II, we noticed that they're eating again on the front lines. Oh, very good. that's so good. Very good. (laughs) That's better than Humphrey Bogart ever hoped to be. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. Or Sam. I doubt that he is one of my favorites. Yeah, of course. Yeah, he has a unique voice, that's for sure. Okay, I would think you'd get to meet some pretty interesting people as a voice actor. Is there anyone that really stands out to you or you really admired and you finally met them? Well, there's been quite a few. I met Vicki Lawrence from the Carol Burnett show. Yes. Oh, yeah. And I um, met her and her husband, and they were just fun to get to know. Uh-huh. But on the Recently, getting to know C.M. Curtis and um, reading some of his books and having some conversations with him, especially about his Ghost Town series. Yes. That's, it was awesome to get to, to know him. Mm-hmm. The, the other person is Bud Barth is one who's doing my training right now at Del Mar Media Arts. And he's fantastic. He can drift from one accent to the other. And, you know, he's moving in different parts of the country, you know, within a minute. And he's also the legacy voice of Fred Flintstone. Oh, really? Really? Yeah. So it's just it's just neat to be around that people and be able to sponge, you know, what what they have to to offer and it's really helped me develop in the last year. Well, they have a lifetime of experiences. Absolutely. I'm glad he's teaching. You know, I yes. think that he, the fact that he's teaching people is really a great thing. And you're very fortunate to have him as an instructor. I, I'm sure you learn a lot from him just because oh, of his ab- life's experience. Absolutely. And he started out as a child actor on, um, on television and then just grew from there. Wow, that's interesting to know. 
Yes. What do you consider to be your personal or your greatest accomplishment as a voice actor? And I don't mean to put you on the spot on yeah. that one. You can say, oh, I don't want no, to answer. No. You just say, oh, I don't want to answer that, Rod. No comment. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> no oh, comment. Yeah. You know, the, the biggest accomplishment are usually the ones that are the most difficult. And doing the full length audiobooks, being able to sit through a four to six hour session every day, knowing you've got another 15 sessions like that to Ooh. complete the book. And then it's not done because then you get into the audio editing, make sure everything flows and then the mastering process and then seeing if it gets approved by um, different outlets, but like find a way books or ACX mm-hmm. and being able to have completed a few of those the, you know, I'm, I'm very proud to be able to do those, especially I'm able to do some different characterizations, um, but even some business books and being able to put my all into those. You know, you mentioned something just now that we hadn't thought about, Mm -hmm. and that's the actual audio editing. I mean, we edit our podcast and so far today, neither one of us have had to cough or sneeze. So we don't have to worry about that edit. But uh, you, I know, or you and I once talked about your editing process. Tell us a little bit about that. Are you, because you, you're self-editing a lot of this stuff. Is that correct? Correct. And um, what I will do is record. I try to record straight all the way through as much as possible. Sometimes in the middle of a sentence, if it's an obvious noise or something like that, I'll go back midstream, but I don't like to interrupt the flow of what I'm doing. So I'll make sure I complete a full chapter and then I'll go, go back at the end and then I'll edit, edit together, re-listen, edit, re-listen, edit, re-listen until I get the flow mm-hmm. and the tempo that I want. That also works with the text of, of the book. And usually after the first chapter, I will send it to the, I'll send it to the author when I, when I get that one chapter done and, you know, get an approval, see, um, see how they like it. If it meets their criteria. I'm going to step ahead of Benji on this one thing, because I made a note on this and it's something that everybody experiences now, especially if you're on hold trying to call a complaint line or something. And that is Mm -hmm. the electronic voices like on Siri, for example. Yeah. Or Cortana, or one of those. Mm-hmm. Those electronic voices. Do you do you see them in any way encroaching upon voice acting? There's a couple of different ways where voice actors are being taken advantage of, and you have to be very very careful. The first one is if you get ahead of the technology. There's websites out there where you can. They actually have contracts with, um, say, Alexa where you can have your voice already on Alexa through their website, where a casting director can say, play the demo demo reel for Gary Spangler. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Wow. Mm-hmm. So getting ahead of it. But there's also a lawsuit currently going on mm-hmm. to the voice actor. And I hope you don't mind me bringing this up, but Bev Standing has had her voice taken by TikTok, where a lot of times when there's no sound to a video, they'll um, make it so her voice will automatically be reading the the text on there. And this was without her permission. Oh, Oh, that's not good. So this is something where artificial intelligence kind of can be a bad thing. It can be a great thing, but it's a a matter of 
communicating with the voice artist and making sure their the usage rights and everything is you know being right. paid for and then being used properly. Right, definitely, because you know there's actual people that that are doing this as a living, and and to kind of cut right. them out is not you know it's just not cool. Yeah, unfortunately, it happens. Yeah, yeah. Right. So th- those are some of the some of the uh, current struggles with technology that we're going through. Yeah. I can see that. And that happens on so many levels with images and with uh, artwork and all, all different sorts of things. Yeah, and, I, you know. I, I would imagine um, you and your artwork um, must fall under the same category. And even with your writing, yeah, where there's always that risk. There yeah. is. There is. Definitely. So, OK, we're going to now ask you a question we've been asking all of our guests, which is if you could sit on a park bench and chat with anyone from the past, who would it be? You know, I have a poster of this gentleman on my wall mm. and his name is Charlie Chaplin. Oh, OK. And yeah, we have the personal stuff. So let's put that aside. But for I always look, look at him as what an incredible comedian, filmmaker, actor producer and even composer mm-hmm. that that he was. So just to be able to sit and talk with him for a time, number one would be a blast because I'm sure he would end up making me laugh, kicking his hat around. Mm-hmm. And um <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely. And, definitely. But also just some of the techniques because he developed a lot of techniques in filmmaking that are still around today. He was brilliant. I mean, interestingly enough, I haven't really watched too many of, of his uh, movies. And then, and then recently, month, yeah, yeah, recently, a month or so month ago, or so, we yeah. actually watched a couple of them. And I, I remember him a little bit as a kid, but it didn't resonate with me so much. But now I look mm-hmm. at the craft. I think the best right. way to describe it is mm-hmm. his craft and how he interpreted. They were so um, human. They were, they were what you would, you would say to yourself, oh, that's exactly how somebody would do that. But then he would put a humorous spin on it, which I thought was really fun. I really, really enjoyed that. It made me change my thinking a little bit about him Mm -hmm. because quite frankly, I just never really watched his stuff, but that's interesting that you would choose him. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Well, Gary, this has been very fun. Uh, You've been a great person to have on our show. Very entertaining. I know our uh, listeners are going to really like this yes, show. We're so. anxious to promote it. Um, I was excited to have you today. I was looking forward to being on on the show and mm-hmm. so exciting what the future is going to bring for your podcast because I listen to it every week and I really enjoy it. Oh. And that was not a paid endorsement. No. <laughs> but thank you. Not a sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. And I agree with Rod, Gary. We just wanted, we want everyone to know if you'd like to know more about Gary and his voice acting career, we will have links for Gary in the show notes and also under the show guest tab on thoughtrowpodcast.com so everyone can learn more about him and connect with him on social media and on his website. Yeah, listen to his reel. Great. Thank that's you what so they much, call guys. it, right? Yeah, yeah. It absolutely is. <laughs> okay, you're truly well on your way to becoming a great voice actor, and we wish you tons of success, and we'll be following your career. Great. Thank you so much. All right. Okay. Thank you, Thank Gary. you, Gary. Bye. 
I'm really glad you tuned in today. We hope you enjoyed the thoughts and ideas we shared with you. We post a new podcast every week, so remember to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. So it's bye for now from my husband Rod and I, wishing everyone 